greetings in the Master's name. You turn to Mark 5 for the message this morning. Uh, Mark 5, I want to read verses uh, 21 to 43, this account, and also give a little background. Um, but first of all, we'll read, the, uh, read these verses. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said to them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in, entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kuma, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was at the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Uh, the title of the message, Jesus' Strange Question. Um, most of our churches, we don't have signs where we put out the title of the message, and often we don't really know for sure what we're going to preach on until... Towards the end, in fact, I was thinking to bring another message this morning, and then somehow this message came to mind yesterday and kind of seemed the way I should go, so I did put it on the sign, uh, but uh, we'll get to the strange question here after a bit. Uh, the background to this, the background is interesting. If you start at Mark chapter 3 with verse uh, 19, 20, at the end of verse 19, it says, in Mark 9, uh, 3, verse 19, it says, They went into a house, uh, probably in Capernaum. Jesus uh, would have been in this area a little bit, um, and um, Mark does not uh, 
it's interesting. We have these four biographies of Christ, and each one's a little gives us some things that the others don't. And so we have this sort of this uh, fourfold view, uh, which gives us a very rounded uh, view of the uh, life of Christ. Um, and Mark doesn't include the Sermon on the Mount. That probably happened just before this. But it says they went into a house, and the multitude came together. And, uh, and so what we have going on here, we have some people insulted and blasphemed Jesus. They said, oh, you're casting out spirits by the, by the power of the devil. And then so Jesus, he challenged them on that. He said, if a house destroys itself, how can it stand? And then it's not here in Mark, but also in, uh, I think it's in Matthew, right along with uh, at this time, uh, there's some, the Pharisees said, show us a sign, show us a sign, you know, prove to us who you are. And so he had that going on. And then here at the end of, um, at, at, uh, in this, uh, well, this paragraph, two paragraphs here, uh, coming on down in Mark chapter three at verse 28, um, no, it's, it's after that. It's at verse 31. His brethren, his mother and his brothers came and, uh, they was asking for him. It seems like that they thought maybe he was just a little bit, uh, some of the crowd, some of maybe Jesus' relatives thought he was a little bit beside himself. I mean, his teaching and what he was doing and so on. And, um, so you had that. They wanted to kind of help him, uh, I guess, um, well, however. And then in Mark 4, you've got parables. Now, you don't have them all here, but this, this uh, series of parables, there were actually 10 parables that Jesus gave. And then that evening, they crossed the lake. And that's when the storm came up, and the disciples were afraid that uh, they were going to drown. And uh, so they called on Jesus. He was sleeping. And so, you know, he got up and he said, peace, be still. And uh, that's sort of the uh, background for that uh, song, um, uh, behold what manner of man is this behold what manner of man is this um, and so then they crossed the lake and that's when they okay Capernaum is at the northern end of the Sea of Galilee and then the country of the Gadarenes Gadara is, is sort of on the south southeast corner of the Sea of Galilee so that's where they went in the boat and uh, when, when they went to shore there is when this year uh, madman that lived in the tombs in the cemetery came out uh, and met him and uh, remember, he was um, a wild man. He, uh, he uh, didn't have any clothes. He cut himself. He cried out. They tried to control him with chains, and he broke those. And uh, when he came, Jesus said, what's your name? And it said, Legion. There was a legion of devils in that man. And uh, the, Jesus' connection with the spirit world is something that, that uh, his, his, his awareness of the spirit world is something that um, we know so little about. But anyway, so he asked the man, what's your name? He said, Legion. And the devil said, let us, can we go into these pigs? And so Jesus, I don't know why he allowed him to go into the pigs. I really don't know. But 2,000 pigs ran into the sea and drowned. And, uh, but the man was delivered. It says he was setting clothes and in his right mind, and he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, go back home and tell what the Lord's done for you. And so he did, because later on, when uh, later on in the Gospels, we read where Jesus went into that, that territory and the people knew about Jesus. He had done his job. Well, be, be all that as it may. And then maybe possibly even that evening yet, <clears throat> they came back to Capernaum. And so then uh, that's where we have the setting of the, the scripture we read. But just a, a, a few, a little summary here. In, 
In chapter 4, where we have all these parables, we have from verses 1 through 34 is where we have the parables in Mark. And here we have the words of Jesus. And then starting in verse 35 in chapter 4, uh, with Jesus calming the storm, from chapter from verse 35 in chapter 4 all the way through chapter 5 in Mark, we have the works of Jesus. So in, in the first, in the most of chapter four, we have the words of Jesus. And then the, the end of the chapter and all of chapter five, we have the works of Jesus. And we see in these works that he had power over nature. He stilled the tempest. He had power in the unseen world, in the realm of spirits. And he could cure sin sick souls. He told that, he told the, the woman with Isha blood, he said, go in peace. And then, of course, he healed Jerob's daughter. He had power over disease. Uh, well, he, he healed the lady. He had power over disease, and he raised Jerob's daughter from the dead, so he had power over death. We, saw, we see all that in these two chapters. I'd like to read this account in, uh, in uh, Luke's account of this uh, incident. In Luke chapter 8, verses, verses uh, 40 to 56, pretty much the same, but it gives a few different details. Uh, Luke 8, chap, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not head, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. So now back in Mark, uh, in verse 30, uh, verse 31, um, verse, Mark 5, verse 21, rather, it says, much people gathered unto him, or, uh, the words that are used are in the Greek are the idea they thronged him, they pressed on him. You know, one time when Jesus, um, was the crowds were around him and he said, uh, he said, let's get into a boat and go out. They were pressing him so much that he got into a boat and went out a little bit, and then he could preach to all the people around on the kind of probably a, man, a natural amphitheater. But they were they were massed around him. And this, this ruler of the synagogue, I guess he was desperate enough, he got close to Jesus. 
And he was a pretty important official, the ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. He humbled himself. And uh, it says he besought him greatly, besought him greatly. He had a sense of need. You know, the first, the very first principle of the Constitution of Christ's kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount, the very first beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit. People who have who's, who have a need, they're willing to admit a need, uh, an overwhelming sense of insurmountable need, uh, holy disconsent. I thought about some phrases in songs. There's this song, I see, I'm not sure what, I can't think of the title right now, but it says, uh, he, he satisfies and every need supplies. And there's another song I thought about. The title says, More, More About Jesus. I mean, this ruler of the synagogue, he had a great need, and he believed that Jesus could meet that need, and he fell down on his feet, and he begged. He besought him. He begged. And the, uh, I think it's the passage in Luke. I don't think it's here in Mark. I think Luke's the only one that uses it. He, it uses, for a little child, it uses a, the, 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 I don't know Greek, but the, the helps kind of going to tell you what's going on. It says it used the, the, the diminutive form of the word, his dear little daughter. Uh, and so it's his only daughter. She was 12 years old. And so it was very precious to him and she was dying. And so he speaks brokenly to Jesus and just ask him to come. And Jesus, Jesus went with him. So now while they're on the way, we have this interruption. We have this interruption. And, um, but as he was going, okay, as he was going, people were following, they were thronging, they were pressing on him. Uh, I think some other translations or wordings that a vast host followed him and pressed upon him. It, it was kept, kept following, kept thronging. And so what we have here is faith tested and strengthened by delay. Faith tested and strengthened by delay. We have this interruption, this interruption. And so what happens during the interruption? Somebody comes from Jerry's house and says, don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. Now, yeah, in other words, just let it be. And so how would we respond to something like that? It seemed like Jesus hardly gave him time to process it. Right away, Jesus turned and said, just believe, have faith. But how would we take something like that? I would probably tend to think, like Job said, the Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <coughs> or like David, when his child died, you know, he was fasting. He was fasting and the child died. And then his, uh, his, uh, his uh, people that were looking after David, they said, what's going to happen now? I mean, you know, he was all... Oh, fasting like this while the child was living. Now the child died. What's going to happen? And, uh, and then David saw him whispering, and, and he said, uh, child's dead, isn't it? And they said, yeah. And he said, and he got up. He quit fasting. And they said, well, what, what, what's going on? He said, well, you know, while the child was living, there was hope. Now that it's dead, there's no more hope, but I can go to meet the child sometime. And so, see, that's kind of the way I would tend to have responded here. But Jesus said, just just believe, have faith, you know, everything's okay. I mean, I'm putting it on words kind of. 
So fear not, believe. And just a few words here about this fear not and this belief. Fear and belief are opposites. And what is this belief? What is this faith? Jesus said, have faith. And, you know, the word believe gets thrown around pretty, pretty easily. Um, I like what the Amplified Bible says um, when it uses sometimes, uh, if you've ever look, read the Amplified Bible, it's, it's, a, it's more than a translation. It, it's a little bit of a commentary. It, it gives expanded uh, wording. Uh, it's not quite a commentary, but it gives expanded wording sort of to amplify the meaning or bring out the meaning of the words. And when it talks about faith, like in 1 Thessalonians uh, 1, 7, and 8, when Paul was commending the Thessalonians for their faith, um, he says, in, in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad. And this is the way the Amplified has it, so that you thus became a pattern to all the believers, uh, to the believers. And this is what the Amplified says about believers, and it is the meaning of belief as it is given in the in in the scriptures and in the Greek, a pattern to all the believers, those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on Christ Jesus. Adhere to, trust in, and rely on Christ Jesus. That's the meaning of the word belief in Macedonia and Achaia, most of Greece. For not only has the word concerning and from the Lord resounded forth from you unmistakably in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere the report has gone forth of your faith in God. Now your faith in God and what it has for that is of your leaning of your whole personality on him in complete trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Actually, that's a whole sermon in itself. Uh, but your leaning of your whole personality on him in complete trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. That's faith. So we find that we never need to tell people anything further about it. Well, that uh, that is kind of what's tied up here when Jesus said... Um, be not afraid, only believe. And so, uh, thinking about this um, this lady coming and touching Jesus, and that's where the title of the message comes from, Jesus' Strange Question. Um, you may have seen pictures of like um, a politician out on a handshaking um, uh, trip, and all the crowds, of course, now they have the crowd control and they have the security detail and everything. But probably wasn't quite like that with Jesus. The crowd were just pressing in on him. I mean, just pressing in on him. One time it says they were it's so crowded they didn't have an opportunity to eat. And so you have all these people just, you know, bumping him and, throng, and thronging him and so on. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples, that's a crazy question. Everybody's touching you. And Jesus said, no. Somebody touched me. Who was it? And, and so the woman somehow, you see, this woman that had this issue of blood for 12 years and says she'd spent everything she had on doctors and suffered much. And you can believe that the nature of the disease would have been a very um, humiliating thing and trying to have it treated and so on and the nature of it she basically wanted to be incognito now just touch his garment get healed and be on her way and Jesus said who touched me 
And so it says she came and fell down on his feet and told him, told him everything. So she couldn't keep it secret. But he says, go in peace. Go in peace. So she was totally ministered to. And then is when, during that, is when the person comes from Jairus' household and says, it's all over. And Jesus says, no, just believe. And so they keep going. And so it's kind of interesting. They get to the house, and, and their way of um, approaching these kind of situations was they often hired mourners. So they were there carrying on, you know, mourning and wailing and so on. Jesus walks in and says, um, the girl isn't dead. She's just sleeping. Well, they knew she was dead. It's kind of interesting. They go from their wailing and mourning one moment to laughing and derision the next moment. And so Jesus, he just puts them all out. He said, Peter, James, John, the father and the mother. And he goes in. He says, Little girl, get up. And she does. And uh, I think Luke's the one that says straightway she gets up. Um, usually Mark is the one that uses the word straightway because Mark is action. And, you know, things move fast in Mark. It's the shortest gospel, I think. And he used the word straightway a lot. But when Luke says about the little girl getting up, he says straightway. Now, if a person has been really, really sick, and you go to get, when you're on demand, it takes a while. When I had pneumonia, it took me over a month to get back to my strength. I think actually it was almost three months, so I felt I was totally back to full strength. And here she is. One moment she's dead, next moment she's full strength. And they don't really think about that. Um, um, they're just overwhelmed. And there's a, there's a, there's a touch here that I think is very interesting. They're all just amazed, you know, and flabbergasted. Well, this little girl, and another thing too, when you're getting over being sick, it takes a while to get your full appetite back too. I mean, this little girl, she was healed and she was totally healed and Jesus knew it and he said, she's hungry, give her something to eat. Well, they could. They, they, that was the furthest thing from their mind. They were thinking about this dead person coming back to life. And Jesus said, she's hungry. Give her something to eat. That just shows his, I don't know, to me that's just so uh, precious and interesting how he's concerned about the little details of our lives. Uh, so anyway, that to me that's kind of precious. Um, but just various interesting things here. Um, Jarius had a daughter, special little daughter, 12 years old. She died. The woman had an Isha of blood 12 years. She had her Isha of blood as long as this little girl lived. Well, anyway, both of their situations got addressed at the same time. And uh, this thing, okay, there's a couple things I notice here. And one thing that's kind of a challenge is, the disciples, Jesus had chosen the 12 just before this, and I suppose they were all with him. And you had the crowds, and they were all touching Jesus. But you know what? 
somebody was especially in touch with Jesus. And they got their needs met too. And so the disciples, I suppose they were touching Jesus. The crowds were touching Jesus. But somebody touched Jesus. The challenge to me is how close, how much am I in touch with Jesus? That's the challenge. Uh, there's a poem I like called The Master's Touch. There's two poems, I think, maybe it was that title. One is about the old violin, or maybe that's the title of that one. This is a different one, The Master's Touch. And it's not talking, the poem isn't based on this uh, event here. It's based on the one where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, where it says he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto him. And that's a similar situation where Peter's mother-in-law was very sick, evidently. And as soon as he healed her, she got up and was able to go about the kitchen and minister to him. But anyway, this is the poem. He touched her hand and the fever left her. He touched her hand as he only can. With the wondrous skill of the great physician, with the tender touch of the Son of Man, and the fever pain and the throbbing temples died out with the flush on brow and cheek, and the lips that had been so parched and burning trembled with thanks that she could not speak. And the eyes, where the fever light had faded, looked up by her grateful tears made dim, and she rose and ministered to her household, she rose and ministered unto him. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. Oh, blessed touch of the man divine, so beautiful then to rise and serve him when the fever is gone from your life and mine. It may be the fever of restless serving, with heart all thirsty for love and praise, and eyes all aching and strained with yearning towards self-set goals in the future days. Or it may be a fever of spirit anguish, some tempest of sorrow that dies not down till the cross at last is in meekness lifted and the head stoops low for the thorny crown. Or it may be a fever of pain and anger when the wounded spirit is hard to bear and only the Lord can draw forth the arrows left carelessly, cruelly rankling there. Whatever the fever, his touch can heal it. Whatever the tempest, his voice can still. There is only joy as we seek his pleasure. There is only a rest as we seek his will. And someday after life's fitful fever, I think we shall say in the home on high, if the hands that he touched but did his bidding, how little it matters what else went by. Ah, Lord, thou knowest us all together, each heart's sore sickness, whatever it be. Touch thou our hands, let the fever leave us, and so shall we minister unto thee. Let's kneel for prayer.